Hey, Spotlight friends. Today, we're going to be sitting with Deacon Greg Kandra. I'm super excited for this conversation because have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a deacon and to be on the altar during one of the greatest liturgies the church has, like the Easter Vigil? We're going to be talking all things being a deacon and how to be good to yourself during this Easter season. I'm really excited for this conversation. It's going to be a good one. Welcome, Deacon Greg. Welcome to Ave Spotlight, everyone. Today, we are with Deacon Greg Kander. We are going to talk all things Easter. So, Deacon Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on, Chanel. This is great. Well, I'm a deacon in the Diocese of Brooklyn. I was ordained in 2007. I can't believe it's been that long. I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. I grew up in suburban Maryland. Moved to New York for my job in 1986. I was For almost 30 years, I was a writer and producer for CBS News, first in Washington and then in New York. And uh, after the events of 9-11 and my experience of 9-11, I decided I wanted to do something more with my life, that maybe God had something else planned for me. In a very short period of time, I discerned the diaconate, and uh, here I am. I left CBS, and I now work for Catholic Near East Welfare Association. CNEWA, which is a papal agency. So I like to tell people I work for the Pope. (laughs) And uh, I'm the senior writer and uh, one of the editors for CNEWA. I write a lot of their appeals. I work on the magazine, One Magazine, which is a quarterly. I do a lot of material online and sending out letters and things like that. And back in the old days before COVID, I also used to go around to parishes and give pulpit talks and sort of be the public face of Kanewa to tell people who we are and what we do. So I'm hoping to be able to get back to that once everything returns to normal. Yeah. Once we can get back out there again, that sounds good. Yeah. Like hopefully sooner than later. So, you know, of course I had to do a little bit of research on you and you are so successful and accomplished. So I feel very humbled that you are here. Oh. As a young lady that is sitting in her room surrounded by her plant children, (laughs) (laughs) like just trying to survive, I feel very humbled to have you here. Um, And I saw that you wrote a few books and you wrote one book, kind of like a prayer guide, a practical how-to for deacons. Yes, that's coming out this spring from Ave Maria. I'm very excited about that. It's called A Deacon Praise. And it's one of these ideas I had while I was shaving in the morning and thought, geez, best ideas. (laughs) Shouldn't there be a book by a deacon for deacons that would offer things like a prayer before doing a baptism, a prayer before witnessing a wedding, a prayer before preparing a homily, a prayer before serving mass? And, uh, you know, I just started firing off all these ideas. And that led to the book, which also includes things like a rosary for deacons, a way of the cross for deacons. So I hope that it will it'll fill a void. There's not really anything quite like that out there now. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I forgot to mention uh, in rattling off my biography is I have a blog, The Deacon's Bench, which I've done since shortly after I was ordained. And that's got a nice following among deacons and ordinary people too. So I hope that I can, you know, give some attention on my blog there to the book and make people aware of it that way. And they'll find out about it also from my talking with you. And yes. uh, hopefully it will have a wider audience. 
We'll oh, see. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know what's so insane? I forget sometimes that deacons can do so many things, like you were mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because you guys can do so much and you train and you are part of our right community that loves the church, right? You love us yeah. and you lead us. And it's just so interesting that y'all can do so much. And I have never thought of having prayers before things or just kind of having like a how-to practical guide for different events that you can have. And I'm sure that that's going to be very helpful for deacons that are doing all of these things and kind of having these experiences for the first time, or maybe for deacons that have had the experience of doing many of these things, kind of like help bring them back to a prayerful mindset. Sometimes we can do things and kind of get lost in the sauce of like doing things so often that we don't take time to pray before or after. So that's awesome. You know, I've compared deacons. uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the, the old Ed Sullivan show. Oh, yep. One of the acts he used to have on often was the plate spinner. Mm. (laughs) So get all these plates going at the same time. And I I like to tell people that's the deacon. Yeah. He's got all these things going. Uh, You know, usually a deacon is married. He has a family, he has a job and he does his work in the church and work in the church can be preaching. It can do weddings. It can be doing baptisms, wakes, all sorts of things. Keeping all those plates spinning. without them crashing to the ground is the great challenge. So I'm hoping that these prayers will help focus our hearts and minds and help us to remember what really matters and why we're doing this. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited for it. I am not a deacon, but I know a lot of great ones that I'm sure would really benefit from your book. One deacon that I became really good friends with when I lived in Colorado, I just remember him Before every major liturgical event, he would be preparing with the priest and preparing with the altar servers and preparing with the sacristans. And it was always like a big to do. And he had huge responsibility kind of getting those liturgies ready for the entire parish. Um, And I always thought about how that must feel to be on the altar during those liturgies, right? During those baptisms, during the Easter vigil, like during confirmations, during big things, big events, especially during Easter. It's like most, in my opinion, most beautiful mass that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can imagine being on the altar during that time as just someone that's watching it, how powerful that must be. And sometimes for me, when it's the Easter season, I kind of am like, all right, well, we're out of Lent. So at least I can start eating Oreos again. Um, (laughs) But I'm not really sure how to kind of proceed being kind of building up my faith life during the Easter season and growing closer to God. So do you have any kind of First, I'd love to hear what it's like to be on the altar um, during those (laughs) liturgies. I don't know if it's, you're going to be like, well, it's just kind of like every other mass. And then Also, can you tell us any kind of Easter tips that you may have just kind of get us in the in the zone during Mm. the Easter season? Well, yeah, the first thing, and you'll hear this again and again, if you ever ask a deacon, how do you like being a deacon? And Mm. the most common answer that I hear as I go around giving retreats or, or doing convocations or anything, I will ask a newly ordained deacon or even one who is not newly ordained, how do you like being a deacon? And they will say, I love it. And again and again, you hear, I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. Mm. It is such a privilege and it is so humbling. And I never lose the thrill or the excitement of it. Even if I'm, you know, serving at a Sunday mass and the lector doesn't show up and the priest says, you know, can you lecture at this mass? He said, you can just come on and do the readings and leave. And I said, are you kidding? No, I want to be out for the whole mass in for a penny, in for a pound, you know? 
and I love doing it. There's no, no greater thrill than being at the altar inches away from the greatest ongoing miracle in human history. Wow. Be a part of that and to, to be privileged to be there and to play a role in it is just wonderful. I, I love doing it. And it can be exhausting. You know, it's a lot of work piled on top of my job and my personal life and everything else. But the grace of orders somehow makes it happen. And uh, St. Paul says, God's grace is sufficient. Mm. And somehow I find through that, through the grace of holy orders, the energy and the excitement and the enthusiasm that keeps me going. And I think most guys would say the same thing. It's one of the little miracles that comes from uh, the sacrament. Wow. That is so awesome. I always, I mean, it's always during beautiful liturgies like that, where I just always looking at the deacon and the priest. And I'm, I'm just so curious as to what that feels like. I mean, like you were saying, you're right next to one of the greatest miracles in the world. Um, And so it's just amazing to think that you get to be so active in being there. And so that is so cool to hear. So during the Easter season, do you have any kind of tips and tricks for how people can better celebrate, right? And maybe grow in their relationship with God? You have probably been through so many Easter masses, so many Holy Week celebrations, and I'm sure that you have like many, many ways that people can prepare. Well, I heard a really interesting observation a couple of weeks ago. We had a guest speaker who we had a prayer service at my parish, and this speaker offered a reflection about Lent, which I think a lot of us don't think about when we think about Lent. We think about it as this burden that we carry for 40 days where we give stuff up and we try so hard to be to be good and to be holy and to mm. be observant and prayerful. And remember those three pillars of prayer and fasting and almsgiving and, and all of that. And he put it in a, a really good perspective, which is that Lent is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Mm. And it's really a almost like a boot camp, <laughs> mm. a, a practice for us to instill in us the discipline of the Christian life. And I think it can be so great if we can just take some of that, whether it is more prayer, where it, whether it is you know more fasting or giving things up as a form of prayer and sacrifice, carry that into the rest of the year and carry that through Easter and make that a part of your regular life. Take something that you did during Lent and continue that and continue it, not just, not so much as a kind of penance or a penitential thing, but as an act of joy and an act of thanksgiving and an act of love and hope and gratitude in the joy of the resurrection. And sort of just turn your perspective a little bit, but don't think of Easter as the end of Lent, Mm. but think of it as a continuation of all the things that you were trying to do during Lent, but with a little bit different perspective. And I think that that could be a very valuable thing to do. Wow. I love that. I love, don't think of Easter as the end of Lent. I definitely think of Easter as the end of Lent. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> right. You know, and, like you were saying, Oreos. Yeah. Thank and God it's I like, go to McDonald's on Friday again. You know, you know and I'm going to be honest there, there have been Easter's where it has been Holy Saturday and I'm like, all right. And I'll look at my roommates. I'm like, okay, you guys, it's sundown. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's technically Easter. We can technically leave like go to mcdonald's and get burgers you know it's all but that's awesome i that's a great idea to think of it as a continuation of something that we can already do because i think 
a lot of us do put our lives kind of like we live our lives and then we put our lives on pause during Lent. Mm-hmm. And we, then we try to reconfigure our spiritual lives and then we give ourselves 40 days. And then during Easter time, we just indulge, which is awesome um, because it's a celebration, but then <laughs> it's Mardi Gras again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then I kind of am like, well, you know, I did the sacrificial thing for 40 days, so I don't really need to do that anymore. And then it feels like, again, you have to do a complete reset again, the next Lent. And one of the things that I often mention in my Ash Wednesday homily is for us to think about Lent as not just giving up, but as an opportunity to give. Mm. And I think if maybe we need to carry that idea into the Easter season and beyond and to look for opportunities to serve others and to give to others and to give of ourselves more as Christ gave. I mean, that's you know one of the great, beautiful, haunting lessons of, of Holy Week and of Easter is how much he gave for us and what can we give to others to bring him into others' lives and to witness to him through our own lives. Yes. Wow. You are coming through with the word today. Thank you <laughs> so it's, it's much. The coffee. <laughs> no, yes, I know. It's the, it's the power of Folgers. Yes. No, I, no, yes, you're coming through with a word. I will definitely have to think about this. And there's so many things to contemplate, and especially during Easter, that we get to celebrate the resurrection and one of the greatest mysteries that we have in the church. And it's just so, so mind boggling. So that is a lot to think about. And I appreciate you sharing your insights. Well, thank you. Okay. So at the end of every episode, we ask the guest what their hope for the week is. So if you want some time to think about it, I can go first. Otherwise, if you're ready, you can totally go first. How are you feeling? Tell me yours and I'll think. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, well, after you were dropping those truth bombs, I feel like I should say something more substantial. Um, (laughs) um, Anything you say is substantial. (laughs) My hope for the week was to buy more Oreos. No, my hope for the week is that I can um, really... Yeah, just continue to enter into this Easter season. I feel like this will just be my hope for the week for the entire Easter season. But really, I didn't focus on Easter a lot growing up and only when I became an adult. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't really reflect on the majesty and the power of Easter. And so I'm hoping that as I grow older, that I can really enter into it and the celebration and the mystery of the resurrection and just how much God cares for each one of us individually. Because in my mind, sometimes I see myself as a part of a collective, which we very are like a community of Mm -hmm. people, right? But I miss the um, very real thing that like God loves each one of us individually and did that for each one of us. So I'm hoping that I can really enter into that, you know, into that prayer and into that relationship more deeply and that um, I can try some new flavors of Oreos because they're actually, (laughs) I've been dying to try some red velvet. The the Lady Gaga Oreos, right? Yeah, I was like, there's some new flavors that I actually have been like dying to try. So that is like a secondary hope. So that is a worthy goal. Thank you you so much. It will be, it is, you know, it will be trial, but I will push through. So, but how about you, Deacon? Uh, My hope for this particular week is that I don't take anything for granted. Mm. 
And that includes my life in Christ. That includes the church, the people who are in the church. I think one of the things that Easter is able to do for us is to remind us of the fullness and the beauty and the joy of our faith. And so much of that over the last year, we haven't been able to have that. And we have felt an absence. And my prayer is that we hold on to that and realize what a treasure we have and what a, what a treasure I've been given with this vocation and with this, this life. And also, Easter is really a time for taking stock and for appreciating once again what we have and what we have been given and the new life that comes into the world, the new life of, of Christ is a source of great hope for all of us. And I hope more of us can feel that and experience that. And like I said, don't take it for granted. Yeah. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I'm really going to be reflecting on things that you said today, especially, you know, as I have to like do work and sit down, you know, it's all that (laughs) daily grind. So Deacon, where can we find more information about you? Where can we learn about everything that you're doing? Yeah. Uh, Visit my blog, The Deacon's Bench, which is very easy to find, thedeaconsbench.com. My books are on the Ave Maria uh, website also. Look for my new book, A Deacon Praise. I'm very excited about that. Like I said, it's it's something very personal and very um, unique and uh, something special, I think, for all the deacons in your life. And even if you're not a deacon, I hope people will, will get something out of it. Sweet. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And it was great chatting with you and great meeting with you virtually. I'd love to come back. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to talking with you again. We will put your website and your book information in the show notes so people can go and check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you later, Deacon. All right. God bless. Thank you for listening and thank you, Deacon Greg, for being our guest today. We'll have more information on what Deacon Greg is up to in our show notes. Please feel free to check those out. Also, make sure to comment and subscribe. We're so happy that you're a listener and we're so looking forward to next week where we will be talking to Stephen Jobert, who is an awesome husband, father, musician. We're going to be talking about all things self-care and how to live in that resurrection power during Easter season. We're looking forward to talking to y'all next week and God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.